everybody. This is the Let's Talk Podcast, hosted by Ira Warren, a facilitator and coach with Vistage Worldwide. In each episode, Ira shares with you over 40 years of successful business leadership and his driving passion to enhance the lives of CEOs throughout Long Island using the Vistage Peer Advisory Model. Here's this week's show. This week on the Let's Talk podcast, I'm excited to host a business leader who exemplifies a masterclass in entrepreneurship, technology, building a wonderful brand and company, and learning to pivot during a global pandemic when he lost 90% of his business almost overnight. Kenny Schwamm, he's the founder, owner, and CEO of Order a Plumber based in Islip Terrace, Long Island. Welcome to Let's Talk, Kenny. Ken, could you give the listeners a little context here? Uh, you started your business in 2007. Uh, tell us how you got into plumbing in the first place. Sure, absolutely. Thank you for the introduction, Ira, and it's a pleasure to be here. Thank you for having me. And um, I, I got into plumbing at a very young age. I started off uh, in the business, believe it or not, when I was 12 years old. My um, brother, who is the oldest uh, of my siblings, 18 years older than I am, had gone into the plumbing business, uh, went out on his own and started his own business. And at the time I was 12, I wanted to, you know, make a couple extra bucks. So I'd asked my mother if uh, she could call him and ask if I could work with him on the weekends. So she did, and he took me up on that offer. And from that point on, every weekend, every holiday, every summer, um, you know, I worked with him in the field as his helper all the way up uh, as I got older through high school, eventually through college. And then um, when I when I graduated college, I had come back and um, continued working for him in the business and learning the trade, learning every position in the company all the way up until uh, 2007, which at uh, that point we decided to uh, split apart. And um, I had went out on my own and started my own business. Wow, that's just a great story. When it came time for the, you know, here it was, what, uh, two years ago, and before that, you were, what kind of plumbing were you doing? Were you doing residential or commercial? Where did you have your focus? Yeah, absolutely. So, um, like I said, you know, working for my brother, he was primarily new construction, residential, commercial, but mostly residential new construction, and, um, you know, that kind of you know, was booming and building and going great right up till about 2007, which as I mentioned, that's the time when I had left him and um, we had split apart and I went out on, on my own and I was gonna go right into the same, um, you know, the same avenue of business, which was residential new construction and the housing market crash. So um, at that time, I started doing uh, some service and repair work I started doing some more commercial and industrial projects, and I started branching out um, off the island into the into city, into New York City, to um, try and find work. Work was kind of scarce at the time, so I primarily stayed with new construction, but went into some industrial, some commercial, and um, as everything started to come back from that the, the housing market crash of 2007 through 2010, 11, 12. I, I kind of fell right back into that residential new construction, single family, um, high end residential, you know, um, 8,000 square foot and up was kind of our bread and butter at that time. So then the pandemic struck and 
all of that came to a halt. How'd you respond to COVID? What was that like for you? That was, um, it was, it was rough, you know, at first, like everybody else, it kind of came in slowly and you heard um, that you were listening on the news and you, you heard what was happening in other countries and um, you, didn't, you didn't really think that it was going to affect us that much. That was about um, February when it started coming in and they started, you know, telling people to stay home. They started uh, closing some what they considered non-essential businesses at the time. We were still considered essential even with our construction projects. They still considered that essential. We continued to work on our, our construction projects, our apartment complex, multifamily projects, all the way through March. And it wasn't, if I remember correctly, midway through March, we began the March. Um, that's when the um, federal and state governments had come out and they had said that new construction, construction in general, was um, not considered essential unless it was. Um, you know, for building hospitals, infrastructure, or um, affordable housing. So they kind of really, um, you know, put labels on exactly what you could be doing. So right there going into April, around the end of March, you know, it was overnight. It's like somebody just shut the switch off. All of our construction projects stopped at one time. Um, at that time, we had about 50, uh, 55 employees working in the field, 55 plumbers working in the field, most of them, 90% of them being on construction projects. And basically overnight, like I said, the switch was just turned off. Construction projects were closed. Uh, one day we were on them, one day, we, next day we weren't. And you know, that was it. And that kind of began the, the scramble and what led into the process of what are we going to do now? Because as soon as they close that project, the, all those projects, initially we you know as a business owner you don't want to lay anybody off you know it's not your first you know you're just gonna you know put down your uh you know put put down the weapons and just you know stop the fight you know you're gonna keep going you want to try to keep everybody busy and everybody working and figure out a way to repurpose but everything was happening so quick that you know one day we were working one day 90 percent of my my company was no longer there so there you are and all of a sudden, everything gets shut down. How did you restructure? What did you do? Uh, well, you know, it took a while. Like, it seemed like the world had shut down and everybody just stayed home. I just, for one, every morning I just kept getting up and coming into the office like as if I was going to work on a regular day. I just really didn't let it affect me in that aspect. I just wouldn't stay home. My wife was like, what are you going to do at the office? You know, you know, everybody, everything's closed down. I said, I just got to go there and I got to figure this out. So I would come in, I'd look out my window. My building is located on a major highway. There'd literally be no cars um, going by. And for the first, you know, what felt like two to three weeks, just trying to figure out what we could do with the first couple of weeks, trying to figure out, can we do anything with, with all these em employees, all these team members that like we, we no longer have work, you know, the first couple of days, everybody was like, okay, whatever, let's, everybody's going to play their role. People didn't really mind going home for the first couple of days. Nobody knew what was going to happen, how quickly we would come back. But as it, as it went on, like one week led to two weeks and two weeks led to a month. Um, we quickly realized that, uh, you know, we were going to have to do something. So we started to turn our focus on to what we were 
still allowed to do, which was service or repair work, which was considered essential at the time and remained essential and still is essential. And we did have a small service or repair division that we were uh, working on building um, over the, the previous couple of years as we were doing our construction. And at that point, we just said, listen, we got to turn all of our focus towards the service and repair. People were still calling for repair work. And um, we still had a couple service plumbers that were willing to come in and do the work. And, and that's what we did. We just took some. Yeah, about no, I'm sorry. Uh, I was going to ask, did you have to lay off anyone or? Yeah, so unfortunately, you know, there wasn't a lot we could do. It kind of came down to a decision as at the same time that they were shutting down the projects, you know, the, the state and, and federal governments were coming out on a daily basis, constantly changing what was going to happen, how businesses were going to be held responsible and, um, you know, what the businesses were going to be responsible for paying per employee. So if we have, you know, 55 plumbers in the field, at one point, uh, the federal government was putting the responsibility on the business to pay uh, each one of those individuals I believe at the time it, it was um, 80 hours that we had to come out of pocket and pay that. They didn't have to use their sick time. So if you if you times that by 50, that would have been a huge expense. So we were kind of juggling, what are we gonna do? Is this gonna come out? There was no talk of, of the government subsidizing businesses at that point, helping businesses pay for that. So, you know, we, we ended up having to move forward with, um, with the layoffs at that time and um, you know try to keep our service guys and we we kept our you know some really critical key employees that had been with us for a long time and we kept them in-house and we kept uh, you know we tried to hang on to as many as we could and that's kind of that's when we regrouped and we said all right we got to get out there and we got to start drumming up service and repair work and, and that's what we did with a lot of the guys that we kept you know, I went, I, I made a phone call, we got lawn signs made up and we, we uh, you know, I would have guys just drive around all over the island to different um, towns and, you know, villages and just put lawn signs in the ground everywhere and put them on telephone poles and really like it got to the point where we, we had littered the island with thousands upon thousands of lawn signs and, and you know, I had gotten phone calls from you know little incorporated villages here and there you know telling me i can't put the lawn signs you can't put the lawn signs on uh, you know in the village you can't put them on telephone poles you can't do this and i'm just like guys listen we you know we didn't know we're trying to drum up business i'm trying to keep everybody busy and um you know we dealt with it and then we also took the social media um you know we started creating more and more posts we started you know letting everybody know hey guys we're here for you we're still doing service our guys have gloves we have masks we have all the necessary PPP. We made a, a a mad scramble to you know order all all of that stuff and order it in bulk so we would have it you know for that time period. And even when when we opened back up, we were making plans to get as as uh, to stockpile as much PPP as possible, which we did. And um, and that's it. And from that point on, we really started kind of restructuring, and we were we were operating as a full service business. There was no construction going on. We had stopped doing that. It stopped focusing on that and just said, you know, put it on the back burner. And we started putting in um, processes and protocols and best business practices to be able to grow a service division. You know, what's amazing to me is in listening to you, all I could think of is how committed to your staff and your people you are. Um, what, what other problems did you run into 
during this period of time? It must have been really difficult. Uh, yeah, it was difficult. Um, you know, listen, the major problem is is just although you want to keep people working, you want to keep uh, the team working. It was touch and go. It was some scary stuff at the beginning. Um, you know, some some of uh, some of our team members would get nervous. You know, they didn't want to get sick. They didn't know whose homes we were going into. So that was probably a big obstacle right there. And and that coupled with you know, we also have clientele now that, that needs our service and they need us to go there and they need us to be in their home when they're basically locking everybody out. I remember this is a time when people were wiping down their Amazon packages, wiping the cardboard with Clorox wipes. Like that's how nervous everybody was. And we're actually sending, uh, you know, a technician into their home. So it was like a double-edged sword. It was like the, trying to protect our 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 techs and trying to protect the clients and make both feel comfortable and feel safe at the same time and you know be there for both of them you know so having those, those processes and putting those in place because it was a time that we were creating the process and the protocol for safety for the technicians and for the clients when there was there was we've never seen anything like this there was no protocol there was no handbook for it um, you know, there was no best practice for it. We kind of were making it up as we were going along and trying to figure it out as we go along. I remember on one of the first weeks I was out, you know, we were buying um, the masks and we couldn't get some and we went as far as to, you know, go to, go to Home Depot and we were buying respirators that like you would see spacklers wear, like giant respirators that um, we, was, we were having our technicians wear and these guys could barely breathe in these things. But they were working in them and going and going in our clients' houses and, and performing plumbing repairs, and so that was a major obstacle. And uh, fortunately, we were able to to um, push through that and overcome. You know, there's an old saying that it's lonely at the top, and here you are running your company. Things have been going smooth since 2007, and all of a sudden, as you said, you know, this whole experience of where there is no playbook, there is no guidance. How did you manage to stay on top of everything and move forward? Who did you lean on? How did you get what you were going to do? Um, that's a good question. So I would say, you know, listen, in business and owning a business, running a business, you know, everything, it's never really a, a smooth um, ride. There's always bumps. And the one thing uh, that I pride myself on is I tell everybody, uh, you know, as I go, I seem to hit every bump in the road. You know, I quickly learn from it and readjust it and refocus it and keep going. The pandemic itself wasn't a bump. It was kind of just like a giant cliff, you know, that, that, that uh, everybody was falling off of at the same time. And I remember at the time, the people that I leaned on the most um, for, for advice and just to kind of, you know, brainstorm and kick around ideas were fellow um, business owners. You know, I have a lot of um, friends and, and my clients as well that own restaurants and they were, you know, greatly impacted immediately. So, you know, some of them would actually come by my office and just sit for an hour or two and hang out. You know, what'd you hear? What do you think? What are you doing? What do you think I should do? Especially when it came to stuff like, uh, you know, payroll protection and EIDL funding and, and stuff like nobody really had a grasp on what was going on. 
Um, thank God I had a great relationship with my uh, my bank and, and uh, my bankers who kind of kept me abreast of everything that was going on play by play. So I kind of became like a conduit to, to my friends and other business owners that at the time didn't really have a good handle and then banks weren't giving them the information that, that they needed and if they were it was just generic vague information and um, you know so that that's why we leaned on each other you know at the business owners alike you know that that's really what what helped get us through those first couple uh, you know those first couple months until things started to get panned out and, and um, yeah, you're fortunate, I think, in that you had other fellow CEOs and business owners that, you know, there is nothing like, a, you know, being advised by peers who've been there or in the same situation you are. Well, now we're Absolutely. 2022. We've gone through Delta. We've hopefully gone through Omicron. Hopefully lots of things may change and lots of things won't. How do you see 2022 and where things are? Uh, 2022, the business is a completely different business than it was uh, when we when when the construction sites got closed down. So you know, like I said, we continued to focus on the service and we built the service up to now. Prior, we were 90% construction, 10% service, and now we're 50/50, and with a focus on continuing to evolve that to the point where we're 90% service ideally and 10%. Um, construction so you know everything is looking good for 2022 we a lot of the processes and we made investments in software for the service so we're constantly monitoring um, you know month-over-month -month revenue and now that we're out of you know what I would call the pandemic the initial phase of the pandemic to where we started to ramp back up and now we're in 2022 we have a good we have a one-year look back you know uh, we can look back to 2021 and say, okay, this was us ramping up, and we did very well in 2021. We, you know, we doubled, um, we doubled our service revenue uh, from the from 2019, and, and I mean from from uh, 2020, I should say. And you know, we're, we're looking this year for 2022, like we had discussed, is we're looking to do a a 20% increase this year, and to be able to monitor that, you know. On we can with through our software that we invested in, you know, we can monitor on a daily, monthly, and um, quarterly basis. Ultimately, leading up to that, to the annual uh, result. So, it, you know, we're looking good, and it's um, it's I'm confident that you know we're just going to keep on pushing forward and, and keep keep on uh, keep on growing the service end of our business. You know, it, it, it's interesting. I'm listening to you and what you went through and how you you know pivoted through all of this. And I'm just struck with the fact that in a very strange sort of way, this may have been one of the best things that ever happened. Here you've restructured your business to a different business model. You probably gained tremendous support and loyalty from your people for how you treated them. You learned a whole lot. And I'm just wondering, as we're coming to a close on our cast, I, I wanted to ask you, what's probably the biggest lessons you learned during this difficult period, what advice you might have for other CEOs who lead companies through difficult times? Um, I would say that uh, looking back on it, it's just you know you just got to keep up, well, keep going to work. You know, I saw a lot of uh, other businesses, you know, throwing a towel, and there may have been some underlying reasons prior to the pandemic, but. 
you know, the fact that I just kept coming to work and just staying focused and, you know, one day at a time, eventually, you know, whenever there's a, a downturn, there's always going to be an upturn. Wherever there's dark, there's always going to be light. And, uh, you know, through every bump in the road that I've hit, even leading up to the pandemic, you know, you quickly condition yourself to, to know when you're going through a bad period or a bad time. And I almost... I just immediately accept it and say, okay, you know, now, you know, this is, this is the rough period. I got to push through, push through it and I'll be, you know, I'll be much better off and I'll be prouder of myself and happier with the accomplishment once we get out on the other side of the tunnel. And that's what I would say, like, just don't throw in a towel, stay focused and just look at all your options. Don't get frustrated when the answer doesn't come to you right away. It, it will reveal itself. You just got to keep moving forward just keep moving forward at all times and eventually um a door will open right when you need it yeah it's it's funny i just saw a quote by dolly parton who said if you want to have the rainbow you gotta put up with the rain and uh, i think it. you yep. really do exemplify that and you know it's an absolute pleasure speaking with you today and you you're sharing your experience with our listeners um, tell, tell me, Kenny, how can we find out more about Order a Plumber? Uh, absolutely. I would say the, the best way to find out more about Order a Plumber is to go to our website. That's orderaplumber.com. And um, take a look around. You can also check us out on Facebook, uh, Instagram. Um, we've recently started to roll out some uh, you know, tips and tricks and educational videos on YouTube and on LinkedIn in all of those um you could get to right through our website. If you scroll to the bottom, we have the links to all those social media sites where you could get to see and hear and um, you know follow what we're doing here at Aurora Plumber. Well, thank you so much for joining us today. It's really been a pleasure. And um, I wish you continued success with Aurora Plumber. Excellent, thank you, Ira. I really appreciate the opportunity. I appreciate being here and thank you very much. Thank you. Thanks for listening to Let's Talk Podcast with your host, Ira Warren. I hope you enjoyed the discussion. If you're interested in joining more than 23,000 members across the globe that count on their Vistage Peer Advisory Group to help them make better decisions, be better leaders, and get better results, then let's talk. As always, you can head over to irawarren.com to sign up to our email list, get more information on joining my Vistage Peer Advisory Group, as well as check out all the links and resources in the show notes. That's all for this episode, folks. See you next time.